The second Okada Omega match that took place at Dominion was great. I would almost put it as an equal to the first one, which I do consider to be one of the greatest matches ever. It's the first time in a decade that a match in Japan has matched the drama of American wrestling. I really think that in the U.S. that matches like AJ versus Cena, and especially Cena versus CM Punk, really do get drama better than anyone. And Omega Okada definitely had that. And the second one absolutely is all over drama. It's incredible. The big problem I had with it, at least on the version that I watched, which was, I believe, the Japanese feed, is there was no sense, at least that I could see, of it becoming a time limit draw. And they didn't play that up. It's been a while since we've seen a big-time time limit match. And throughout the history of wrestling, the Broadway has brought about some really important stuff. Of course, the one that I go to automatically, because I watched it, was the first Clash of the Champions, where Sting was pretty much made for his career by taking Ric Flair to the limit. But there are so many others. Briscoe versus Funk is the classic series. I mean, Ric Flair had so many Broadways with so many people. The other one that I absolutely adore was Nick Bockwinkle versus Kurt Hennig, where they went to a 60-minute draw, bloody match, great match. But it often gets ignored in favor of their match in Super Clash. But what this didn't do, it didn't so much build to the finish, or non-finish as it were. But I really think that they got it backwards. I think they should have done the time limit draw at the Tokyo Dome. Now the problem with that, of course, is audience expectation that the Tokyo Dome is like a WrestleMania. It's where you get resolution. But having Omega pinned first, I think, was a mistake. Having them rematch at Dominion was questionable when you had the Long Beach shows coming up. Unless their whole idea is to give Omega the United States title and have him be that be his sort of what they did with the Intercontinental Belt and Nakamura. Which, okay, I could see that. But then where I think it really went off the rails is they did a time limit draw at Dominion. Now, unless the plan is to make this a three-match series bookended by Tokyo Domes, which to me would mean that Omega wins G1 again, which, hey, that'd be great. That Having the time limit draw in the middle isn't the right way to go. And if you sort of think of it in these three sort of steps, the first match, if you're doing a trilogy, and this looks like it could be I don't think this is going to be Okada Tanahashi, where you had, you know, 80, 500 matches. <laughs> That's not true. They only had like seven or eight. But this isn't the story of Omega proving himself, coming up short, coming up short, coming up short, and then finally winning. He's made. And when he won the G1, when he had the amazing year that he had in 2016. The way you end that year 
is by giving him the belt. And they've invested a lot in Okada. If you look at the combined days of title reigns, he's third on the list. Okada is less than 30. I'm not saying he hasn't paid a due. He absolutely has. He's been an absolute star the whole way. And apparently now he's a great draw. But he's not Muda. He's not Chono. He's not Hashimoto. And part of that is the fact that the times are so different now that being a New Japan wrestler to get to that level is almost impossible. But this is where, to me, it gets really fascinating. If they had gone with Omega, Omega wins, he does a couple of defenses against guys, and then at Dominion they they give the Okada rematch, and Okada wins it back. What they've done is they've proven that Omega can win. Had they done the time limit draw at the Tokyo Dome, they'd have proven that Omega was Okada's equal. And then they do the rematch at Dominion, and the big thing happens then. And honestly, if Omega came up short at Dominion, if he had gone the time limit at the Tokyo Dome and then came up short at Dominion and got pinned, you have seven months to build to that match again. Because this is the series. Omega Okada is what will define Okada's reign. Unless they're, they're thinking a long, long reign, like a two-year reign for Okada, Omega pretty much needs to be the guy to take it off of him. If they're going longer than that, it needs to be someone from lower down the card to take it. Personally, I know who I'd like to see it be, but they're not going to go that direction because they don't give uh, junior heavyweights the belt. I'd like to see it be Takahashi. I think he's a phenomenal talent, and I think that they have not yet used him to the degree that he could, because he could be huge. And right now, the guys that you have up top, Tanahashi, who won the Intercontinental title from Naito uh, in a really good match, but to me, Tanahashi's played. He's still putting on great... He's, he's Bret Hart, is the best way to put it. He's still putting on great matches, but he's not the innovator anymore. He's kind of like Bret Hart in concept with Shawn Michaels' fashion sense. Uh, Naito is phenomenal. He's great. And is only getting hotter and hotter and hotter. To pull the belt off him now seems like a mistake, but also he kind of doesn't need it right now. Because he can... Not only can he go, but he is the definition of a wrestler who can make anything work. That no matter what the storyline is, he will be able to go for it. On the Gaijin side, the foreigners, they have the best crop foreigners they've had in decades. I really, really believe that. When you have Michael Elgin, when you have, or Elgin, sorry, Kenny Omega, when you have the Bucks, Juice, oh my god, I have not seen Juice wrestle since NXT, and I watched uh, one of his matches the other day. I think it was the one from the one of the junior tournaments. And it was phenomenal. He was so great. He needs to eat some bread, but yeah, he was really, really solid. And with this 
you know, they have Zack Sabre Jr., who they're not really doing much with. They have Dave Finley, David Finley, who is super great. And then Ricochet and Osprey, who are two incredible workers, high flyers, who are redefining what it means to be a high flyer. Ricochet could be IWGP champion and keep up the pace that Okada has been doing. And I don't say that lightly. I really believe Okada is the best wrestler in the world, period. No one's close. Maybe AJ, but only on his best day. Okada is that good. And part of that is that he always works with guys who understand how to put together a match. Omega, absolutely no question. Shibata, the Shibata match was great with that tragic ending. Suzuki, of course. The Suzuki match was, you know, I don't like Suzuki, and yet that was a great match. Had a wonderful match with uh, Tiger Mask to W, uh, who is Ibushi. Uh... Okada can just go. He's so good. But, here's the issue. As far as top of the card goes, realistically, he can work with anyone and elevate them. Hence Shibata, Suzuki. Suzuki is a little bit of a different, because he's always got that sort of name, but he's been around forever. Shibata had been around forever. And he worked... That match is just so good, so tense, it's just, it's a shame. And guys, protect your heads, please. But if they bring in someone like Ricochet into the mix, move him to the IWGP heavy instead of the, the junior heavyweight. Because right now the junior heavyweight side is crowded. Particularly when you look at, I mean, Kushida's great, I love Kushida, Takahashi's wonderful, Dragon Lee is just mind-blowing. So is Zack Sabre Jr. in a different way. Right now, New Japan is stacked with people. But it doesn't feel like there are as many people who can realistically challenge for the IWGP title. That everything rides on Okada. That Okada makes or breaks his challengers. And that's fine. It puts a lot of weight on him. But he's pulling it off by delivering. They really need to make a guy who can win the belt who isn't Okada, Tanahashi, or Naito. The best guy for that is Omega. And then Ricochet, but that's another podcast. So, I definitely watch Omega versus Okada and look at how different the two matches are. This one's actually less dangerous, which I guess makes sense. I hope that they're learning their lesson about injuries because of the whole Shibata thing, because of the entire, uh, you know, those head impacts from that Tokyo Dome match with Jeff Insane. You know, they're, they're an injury-prone side right now. They're not depleted because of it, That would, as happens with the WWE. Pretty much any time Seth Rollins goes down... But they're a good, good promotion. And they're working, I think, towards 
a style that will be safer long term, I hope. And this match is definitely a great move in that direction.